Welcome back to the Red Sector, a podcast about speedy motorbikes. My name is Matt Plansky. With me, as always, are my co-hosts, Josh Wilson. Josh, how are you? Another weekend of racing, uh, exciting racing as well in all three classes. Uh, yeah, and I'm I'm ready to get dived into the, the nitty gritty of each one, each class. Not so much Moto Two because. <laughs> the big Sam Lowe's fell out. We'll, we'll get fell, there. So, yeah, we'll get there. I've spoiled it. <laughs> and, of course, with us is our walking, talking encyclopedia of MotoGP, Bono GP. Bono, how are we doing? I'm very good. Very good. I'll tell you, I, I'm very happy with it each week because I get a better compliment. <laughs> so I'm just expecting it just to get better and better. But, yeah, I'm, I'm also looking forward to getting into it, except for Moto2 as well. So, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll get there and. Before we do, just a reminder to, if you enjoy the podcast, give us subscribe, give us a like and a review, all that fun, happy jazz. Um, this was, uh, getting into it, this was an interesting race weekend. Um, you know, we're going to start off with Moto3, we're going to do Moto2, and then the piece de resistance, which is MotoGP. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moto3 wasn't as interesting as the first two races, but then again, we're at a completely new track. Um, not as much of a drafting as there can be at Qatar. Um, this race mainly came down to two people towards the end there. Yeah, yeah it did. It did massively. Um, I, I, although, to be fair, it was it was close and bunched up even right till the end. Um mm-hmm. So, considering it came down to two at the very end, is is quite surprising. Yeah, I think the um, the speed of that Leopard bike towards the end was probably the main reason it split off. But the pace, the general pace of Pedro Costa was untouchable, other than Dennis Foggia. So it was a case of those two in the last couple of laps. But yeah, I, I'll be honest with you. With one lap to go, I thought. Dennis Foggia was just going to break away purely because of the speed of the bike. But mm. that that lunge, that lunge from Acosta was just that is that is something else. For 16 years old and your uh, third yeah. race to make that kind of lunge on the last lap, that is <laughs> that is special. Very special. 16 going on 26. <laughs> yeah, you think so. You think he's already got 10 years of experience about walking. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Mark, Mark Marquez-esque, to be honest, especially them lunges he's doing. Like, no fear. No, he's almost like he's got no kind of respect for anyone else or himself. Mm-hmm. He's just he's just dive-bombing into the corners and not even not even worrying about the aftermath. I kind of like that, though, because he's almost come into the championship as though to say, like, there's no bedding-in process. There's no kind nah. of, you know, let's give these guys the respect they deserve. He's like, mm. I'm, I'm here to win it. I'm not here to mm-hmm. have a rookie season. He's mm. there. He's to... got nothing to lose. Yeah, exactly. And why not? You know what I mean? He's he's mm. 16, Red Bull Rookies champion, straight into Moto3. Yeah. What, what what has he got to wait about and, you know, give the guards respect for? He's quick enough, so I, yeah. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. He's got time on his hands. He could easily do another two or three years in, in Moto3 and still have, still have so many years ahead of him to get into MotoGP, so... He's probably thought I'm going to go in all guns blazing in my, in my first season, and and if it, if it doesn't come off, I've still got you know two or three years left really of of being young and and able to to get into Moto Two in my early years. 
and hopefully he doesn't try or Red Bull doesn't try to move him up too quickly because no. you know we've we've seen in other racing series where if somebody's moved up too soon, you know they can be burned out too quick. I mean, the Moto Two bikes are so different from what he's on now and what he's been on before. If he is moved up too soon, it could do more harm than good. Mm. Yeah, I think he's in a sensible enough team though. With that, I think when you've got a team like the Ako, uh, sorry, with the Akiayo team, and you've got somebody that runs two teams in two separate classes, mm-hmm. with his experience and his almost like the prestige he's got within the paddock, I think if you were to give one team the accolade of knowing who is good enough to make that Moto three to Moto two jump, that is the team to be in because right. you've only got to look at Ralph Fernandez who has had one year in that Moto3 uh, IO team and built his way up and gone through the IO way, started winning towards the end, and he's gone, yeah, you're good enough, gone to Moto2, and before I give any spoilers away, we all know, having watched the race, Ralph Fernandez mm-hmm. is doing all right in Moto2. So exactly. I think, yep. think Aki Ayo will know if he's ready for Moto2 with Acosta, but yeah. Um, Fodri gave him a good fight, though, and... Um... Yeah. Mino as well was in the mix. Uh, although Masia, he uh, he had that little that little wobble um, or that little high side that kind of threw him off. I mean, he did get back on it and managed to finish. What ninth did he finish? So he yeah, he, he kind of yeah. Yeah. Masia, yeah. Um, but it was disappointing for him especially because he was looking like he could have definitely been in for a podium if it had kept mm-hmm. it. It's kept the, the two wheels on the track. But, um, of course, who else as well? Uh, Artigas. I mean, geez, yeah. I mean, he could he could have been in the mix for a podium. But geez, the, Fernandez going straight into the back of him. Mm-hmm. Wow, what a bad, yeah, bad was, piece um, of luck. I think that was the Rodrigo one. I think the Fernandez one was. Uh, it was. The... Oh yeah, Rodrigo. Yeah. Yeah, Rodrigo went into the back of him, which. I, to be honest with you, I find myself pulling my hair out with Gabby Rodrigo because he's been in the class now for like, it must be eight years, eight seasons, something like that. So he's mm. one of the experienced guys, but you almost feel watching him, it's like watching the 16-year-olds. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, mm-hmm. just the people, amount of mistakes. And... Yeah, the, the amount of time. I mean, he's been in the class for that long. He's had one podium and the guy, the guy is quick. There's no dispute in that, but He's just constantly making these kind of mistakes and errors that put himself in a situation where, mm. you know, he's only making the problems for himself. But I do feel for Artigas because you did feel watching him come through the pack that, okay, even though the first two races haven't gone his way, um, Portimao looked like it was going to be a great race for him. But yeah, he's I think a he... little bit like McPhee. He can't seem to really get off the mark, can he, for the first three races? He just inherited it. McPhee's um look for that race i think because that that would have that sounds like seems like something that would have happened to mcphee if it had been in there <laughs> in the front of the pack <laughs> yeah john can't catch a break bless him no no um yeah but again, another one um going on to that obviously john mcphee finished 23rd what he started 15 seconds behind everyone else yeah because uh, he was one of the people uh, yeah. who had to start from pit lane mm. But unfortunately for him, it didn't it didn't work out. He wasn't able to like weave or cut his way through the pack, unfortunately. But he made it back in one piece, which is a bonus, I guess. But... Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think it's a case with John just to get to a rest now as quick as possible, almost. Yeah. Like that's what'll be yeah. in his head and just basically solidify his place in the championship fight. I think he'll be thinking anything less than a podium at Rath is a no go. So Yeah. Um, can refresh, regroup. Yeah. Refresh. So this regroup. race was a I guess this race was always a write off, knowing yeah. where he was gonna be starting from. So uh Yeah. yeah it's it's I mean, definitely a fresh start in Harath. Yeah, definitely. But overall, Moto Three, I've, we've not even actually mentioned it. But if anybody hasn't watched Moto Three, just the recap: the sixteen-year-old rookie did win. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the top three um, was Acosta, Faggio, and Mino. Um, yep. I for talking rider of the day. Oh yeah. I don't know if I want to give it to Faggio or Acosta because Faggio definitely was able to hold him at bay for quite a while. And it wasn't until the last lap that Acosta was able to make his move. Yeah. Um, he had the slipstream as well. Faggio going into the, 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 that, that straight mm-hmm. at the end. He was just a bit too close to make it, it work. Yeah. But... If, if that finish line was maybe a few more meters down the straight, Mm. Faggio had it. Mm. Um, so I'm guessing. Well, I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any reason to ask Bono what his who's his rider of the the day was <laughs> Moto Three. Um, to be honest with you, I'm not going to be boring. I'm not going to. I say boring. I'm not going to pick a Costa. I'm going to pick, and it, it seems a little bit strange for me to pick this, but I'll explain my reasoning. I'm going to pick Dennis Onchu, who finished 15. Oh, really? The, yeah. The reason I'm picking him is because he started in pit lane with Darren Binder. And actually managed mm. to break away from okay. Darren Binder. And the pace he set was kind of like in the background because of obviously Moto 3, you can't take your eyes off the front. Um, right. And he, he, he made up a lot, a lot of time from pit lane. As we know, coming from pit lane is not a case of just stick behind somebody and you'll get to the yeah. front. You've got to set real pace, start to finish. Right. So for Dennis to get in the points from pit lane, he didn't win it like a Costa in Qatar, but. Forty miles a little bit different, like Matt said at the start. You don't have that drag. You don't have mm-hmm. those big lined groups. It's a case of you know the rider makes a bit more of a difference. So I'll give it Dennis. I'll give I'll give mm. it Dennis on to you. Yeah, I'm thinking along the same lines as you, Bono. But I'm going to go with Alcoba. I think pretty much for the same reasons. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> I, I thought you know what he's he managed um, one place above Onchu. I think uh, he managed fourteenth. Um, starting from the pit lane, and I thought that was quite a, a solid performance, really. And he didn't take anyone out, so um, <laughs> you I have to give that, that as an award. Yeah. So that there's a no. I think obviously, I think you know, Acosta is really ride of the day. But I thought, I thought I'd go a bit left field there and pick Alcoba. That's a fair yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to go Faggio for Faggio. I oh. just the way he was able to. He started strong. He was able to keep it going throughout the race. And yeah, he he lost the position, but he was always able to get it back. Mm. And like I said, if he was coming up that straightaway with so much speed, if that if that start finish line was a few meters, he had it. Mm. So, but moving on to Moto Two, which I know you guys don't want to, but we have to <laughs> because. Oh, yeah. The lights go out, the bikes go down the road, and in turn one, Sam Lowe's goes to the moon. 
Yeah, into the gravel trap. Race over. Like um, he he high sided that so high. I mean, if I thought to, it was contact at first. Yeah, so did I. He just got his breaking point completely wrong, and then the rear mm. end just flicked him out. But I mean, typical Sam. I mean, I'm not having a go at him, but typical Sam. If you're going to crash, you may as well crash properly. Mm-hmm. Never seem yeah. never seem to have like uh, other than the small crashes he has in like warm up. If Sam crashes and it's not a a low slide in front tuck or anything like that. He just seems to say, you know mm. what, let's go full ball, and he just sends it flying. But <laughs> I don't know how he walked away okay, but he, he does seem all right. He did. Thanks for yeah, that. which is yeah. good. Um, yeah, he just grabbed a handful of brick. I think he was going to go into... Uh, I can't remember who he looked like he was going to run into the back off. Um, but he did grab a handful of brick to stop that. I think it might have yeah. been... Jimmy Gardner, I want to say. I think, or yeah, Fernandez. I, I think my guess is one of the Red Bull guys. I think it was. Um, yeah, but he kind of, uh, yeah, he, he kind of sacrificed his own race to stop go, to stop going into someone else, which is a fair play to him. Um, but it, it, not to not to kind of dis, disrespect or discredit uh, Sam Lowe's, but it did open the race up a little bit. It made it a bit more exciting than maybe it would have been uh, had Sam yeah. Lowe's been in it. If we're going off, if we're going off the fact that we think Sam Lowe's would have actually won that race, but it did make it quite an exciting Moto Two race, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, I think it was a case of if Sam would have not crashed, it. I think it was the closest that Remy had been to Sam, almost mm. in a way of like it might be Sam chasing Remy, um, because obviously Remy won there last year at Portimao, yeah, and it was almost like okay, Remy, over to you. Do you know what I mean? Um, but I'm surprised that Remy didn't go and do that, to be fair. I thought Remy would be at the front the whole way and kind of everybody lead by Remy Gardner. Like, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but it was actually his teammate that took the um, took the winnings on that front. I mean, yeah, yeah. another guy that well, won there last year, he's, he's won in Moto3 and then a few mm-hmm. months later he's gone and won in Moto2, so... Yeah. Um, yeah, re- yeah. This really is definitely good. a track that Fernandez likes to race at. Yeah, I mean, I think I put it out like five laps, six laps to go when he was sat in third behind Canet and oh, who was it for life of me? Roberts. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry, I'll not mention that too much, Matt. But um, yeah, it sat <laughs> behind Roberts, and I think as I tweeted it, Roberts went wide at turn one, and you could just see Fernandez closing down on Canet, and you kind of got this impression that as soon as Fernandez got in front of Canet. It was almost like, okay, he's gonna he's gonna break him. He's gonna gap away, and that's that's effectively what happened. But no disrespect to Canet because on a bike that isn't the top bike, so to speak, he's looked brilliant this weekend. He has looked fantastic, and Roberts as well. Roberts has at Qatar not had the best couple of races, crashing out of one of them. Did he crash out of one mm. or both? I think one. Ah, mm. uh, one yeah. of them. Um, one I of think them. It was but... Qatar too. Yeah, Qatar too. He crashed out of. So confidence-wise, for Joe, even though he didn't end up on the podium, I think that's massive to know that he's back fighting at the front. Yeah, um, it, it was just a solid result for Joe. Um, he did fight right until the end, and obviously, he did have a little contact with um, oh, who was Gardner. it? Who was it? Gardner. Yeah, yep. he had a little bit of contact with Gardner, and that was. I don't know. Um, you could, I, I guess, you could say it was a racing incident, but it did it did change that because I think Roberts could have could have got second there. 
Definitely. Yeah, it was it was for third, wasn't it? It was just for that final podium position. Oh yeah, yeah. I I did think watching it, like as it happened, I thought I don't know if that's very like I don't want to use the word fair because it's last corner, last lap. But mm-hmm. I did think it was a little bit like you know dirty if you don't want to use the word. But mm. I mean, to be fair to Roberts, he took it like a champ. I mean, they were showing the replays and he was like laughing and joking about it. But how do you yeah. feel about it, Matt? Obviously. Being an American, you were probably pulling your hair out as you saw him getting bit off. But I, when he, I didn't watch this race live. I watched it on replay later, and it was one of those things where, as I'm watching him go around at first, I'm like, he's not winning this. I can tell right now he's not going to win. I didn't go on social media yesterday, but I just could tell like he's not winning this race. And then as he slowly started to drop back, I'm like, okay, now where does he finish? <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, between him and Cameron Bobier as an American, I'm happy. Yeah, I mean, Bobier finished in, uh, let's see. Here. Ninth. Yeah, finished in ninth. So that's a strong strong result for the Americans, really, fourth and ninth place. Mm-hmm. Um, especially from his last first couple of races. Yeah, I think Cameron just looks better every week. I've got to say it. Mm. Um, I think if you watch him through the weekend, anyway, wherever he starts in FP1, he does get stronger every single day, every single session. I think looking at the lap times through the weekend, he was very, very quick through the first three sectors. It was mainly the last sector. He was missing out about four or five tenths. He was really losing a lot of time. So it just goes to show with someone like Cameron that if you can just fine tune these small areas, finishing in ninth in your third ever, ever race in Moto Two, like he's definitely got the potential to be up yeah. there in that front five, front six. Mm-hmm. And it's um, one of those things where, as he, you know, he's he's coming over. He's never raced a Moto GP bike. He's raced in Moto America, but coming over to Moto GP, these bikes are completely different. They're the way the whole team is structured is different. So it's going to take him a while to get used to it. But to see this kind of progression in just the third race, it's really like you look forward to what he can do going forward. Mm. What happened with Bezecchi? Because he was fighting at the front for uh, a good period of that race, and then he just seemed to drop off. Was it something to do with his tyres? Yeah, Bezecchi was flying at the front in the first five Mm. or six laps. And I actually read a small thing on a uh, a debrief of Rossi's, just a side note, that Rossi got interviewed on the first lap of the Moto2 race and he just ignored all the journalists and was sitting there like screaming for Zeki. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he um, I think he, it was Ty, as he mainly mentioned, it was lack of grip. It was a little bit like uh, Qatar 2. Do you remember when yeah. uh, Bezeki was almost on that front pack and then the last 10... 10 laps or so, mm. he, he just lost it with tyres. But, um, yeah, I think it'd be a bit disappointed having led the race and being that front pack. But, mm. yeah, it was yeah. a weird one with Bezeki, but, you know. Mm. And we saw a few DNFs. Um, Jake Dixon, uh, he, uh, he binned it. But uh, luckily, I don't think it was too too bad. I, I think I think he did he walk away from that. Yeah, um, I think Jake's mm-hmm. all right after that. So that'd be good. Um, the the most interesting one though is was between um, I'm going to butcher the names. Vietti uh, and Bulaga. Yeah, 
cool again. Yeah, that's one. I'm glad you brought Vega. this up. Uh, VAT, yeah. I mean, that no. was... He cut across him. It's... Yeah. Anybody no. on Twitter that wants to even... I, I saw one person, one person say, Vietti should have sat up. And it was just one of those well, where, like, I, I didn't even want to, like, react to involved. it. I was just like, yeah. okay, cool. But, yeah, Bulago is just probably the most stupid move I've probably seen all weekend. It, it was never going to happen. And trying to stop the bike rather than just run off and let it, you know, let the brake off, run wide, get back on track. Trying to get it stopped on that is so one line through the first corner. Mm. It was just never mm-hmm. going to work. I felt like that was me on. That is literally how I am on MotoGP game. <laughs> I am Belega. That is me. You're <laughs> taking everyone out and then rewinding. But um, I'm going to have to keep pretty... out of the way of you then. When, <laughs> <laughs> when, when it's it pretty pretty shoddy. But I think the the extra layer to all of that was the fact that I think what Vietti has Belega's seat. Um, in the VR46 Academy as well. Yeah. Obviously, for anybody that doesn't know, these are both Italian riders. Vietti is in mm-hmm. VR46 Academy, and yep. so was Bulaga. But a lot kicked off within the VR46 Academy where three of the guys left slash sacked kind of thing from the Academy, um, mainly because of their attitude, their kind of approach to the whole thing. And one of the ex guys taking out a current VR46 guy didn't exactly go down very well. <laughs> um, we nearly had a repeat of Alcoba McPhee, didn't we? Yep. Mm-hmm. Which I oh. think, having seen that from last week, I think if that between McPhee and Alcoba didn't happen and they know the repercussions of it happening, yeah, they would have seen some. I feel like Vietti would have probably swung a left right straight at Bulliger in the gravel trap, but thankfully yeah. he didn't. Yeah, so that collision ended a fight and was it montella and monzi that ended in a fire yeah that was a big oh yeah. yeah that was that was bad even even again i didn't watch it live i watched a replay but even even that i was i was straight on my phone finding out if they were actually okay mm-hmm. um i can't remember which one got which one got like hit by the bike was it it was montella, montella, it was montella high-sided and sweep oh yeah uh Manzi from the side, but yeah, I, I saw it go up in flames, and I was a little like you, you know, your heart's always in your mouth when you see a bike go up in flames, anyway. Mm. So it was a bit scary, but thankfully they both walked away from that all right as well. But there was mm. there was a fair bit of taking out, wasn't there this weekend? I think it's mainly because yeah, it was. a bit more one line than Qatar, so mm. it's um it's a case of do or die with a lot of the moves. I mean, yeah, even like the Acosta move for the win, that mm. could have gone one or two ways, you know, with how far back he came. Yeah. It's so easy just to lock that front and you know it could have been it could have mm. been hay bales basically. But yeah, the uh, fireball one was pretty big, but thankfully yeah. uh, I think the elevation change makes a big difference as well. Uh, massively. In terms of like your vision and, and your speeds and your braking distance and your lines. It's it is quite a unique track in terms of the elevation in, in the way it's laid out. Um very unique, like, as we right. saw last last year, last season, we can it over that hill, mm-hmm. um, and that, that amazing, like, kind of well, I say amazing that that heart stopping moment where he's <laughs> he's kind of crawling Miracle. up, and all these bikes are coming over the crest of the hill, and you just think, God, mm-hmm. if one's on the same line as Canet's on, we're gonna, it's going to be bad. But yeah. yeah, yeah, that that is almost linked a little bit when we get onto GP with the whole Marshall Post. Um, 
safety kind of thing. Mm, uh, we'll, yeah. we'll get into it a little bit more. But, okay, yeah, we'll get into yeah. that. Um, very in soon. terms of rider of the day for Moto2, who are you guys going to give it to? I'll let you go first, Matt. Ugh. So God. it gives me more time to think. <laughs> I'm going to give it to Kinep. Uh, I think to have, because he's the only Boscoscura chassis bike to finish in the top 12. Mm. Like looking at the results here, every, like one through 12 is all Calix except for him. So to be mm. able to put that bike on a podium when nobody else could, the Boscoscura frames ha- haven't been having a lot of luck. They didn't do well in Qatar. So to come here and be able to do what he did, it really showed something. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, he was going to be my pick, um, but I'll not be a sheep. I'll, I'll yeah. not follow. Um, <laughs> but no, it was, it's a very good pick. And literally, you took the words out of my mouth why I would have picked him. Because like you say, that that bike is not known to be competitive anyway. So mm. yeah, it's a completely fair shout. I'm going to give it to um, Augusto Fernandez because... He has struggled a lot in the first two races. For what reason? I don't really know. But I think his performance was almost overshadowed by Sam Lowe's crashing out and Remy Gardner and all the the rest of them almost breaking away towards the end, away from that pack. But I think fifth place for Augusto is a massive step because, like I say, the first two races he's been nowhere. Um, And the pace they started to set in those last 10 laps was pretty good. Um, so for that reason, I'll give mine Augusto Fernandez. Mm. Uh, I'll probably go the vanilla route. I'll, I, I think I'll go with uh, Raul Fernandez, actually. Uh, I think he's, again, being the rookie in the in the categories, he, he pulled it out of the bag today, really did. Um, just kind of, uh, I think because we were expecting Sam Lowe's to kind of well, for it to be a Sam Lowe's kind of gardener fight for the for the win, I think um, Fernandez today really, or yesterday really showed really showed that he, he should be in, considered in contention for the title because I, d- I just thought it was a solid ride for him. Really, uh, he had the duel with Canet, of course. Um, it was close, but yeah, Fernandez. I think he really he really showed what he's worth um, in his metal today, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I rate Ralph Fernandez so highly. I did at the very start of the year, and again, he's he's another one that first race just missed out on podium, second mm. race got on the podium. It was like okay, like it's only gonna be a matter of time, and mm. I don't think Portimao could have come at a better time because, like Matt no. said, it's a track that he loves. So I think mm. he'll probably be getting yeah. Portimao layout tracks probably splayed across his house or something <laughs> when he gets back. So. Definitely, but yeah, that's a good good three picks there. I think. Yeah. So moving on to MotoGP, we're gonna okay. start with the, we're gonna start with the starting grid, and then we will basically go through the events of the weekend. So our starting grid played out like this: twenty first, we have Takanakagami; twentieth, Lorenzo Salvadori; nineteenth, Ike Lacawona; eighteenth, Danilo Petrucci; seventeenth, close your ears, Valentino Rossi. 16th, Anea Bastianini. 15th, Brad Bender. 14th, Paul Espargaro. 13th, Alex Marquez. 12th, Maverick Vinales. 11th, 
11, wow, Pekka Benyaya, 10th, Miguel Oliveira, 9th, Juan Mir, 8th, Luca Marini, 7, Alicia Spargaro, 6, Mark Marquez, 5th, Franco Morbidelli, in 4th, Jack Miller, 3rd, Johan Zoko, 2nd, Alex Rins, and pole position, Fabio Quattararo. Now, this qualifying had some incidents yeah. that deemed some discussion. Mm, definitely. Mainly the Peko Benyaya thing. Yeah. And it, it's one of those things. So basically what happened was Nakagami went down in one of the corners where Benyaya was coming up to. Yellow flags go out like they always do for rider safety. The problem is, as the yellow flags came out and the marshal boards lit up yellow, the board closest to Banyaya was on his right, but he's leaning left on the bike mm. and cannot see it at all. Yeah. So by the time he comes through, he's already passed the incident and now sees yellow flags, but thinks he's clear of them. And this was on the, like, time had run out. He was on his last lap, and when he crossed finish line, he thought he had pole position. He was mm -hmm. celebrating coming back to the pit lane. Uh, you know, the whole night, and it wasn't until he got back, and his, like, crew basically, like, don't go to Park Ferme, come here, <laughs> and had to explain to him what happened. So, what are your thoughts on this? Um, yeah, I mean, I saw Oliveira go down, and I was a little bit heartbroken for him because obviously it's was it Oliveira or Nakagami? Yeah, it was Oliveira. Oh, when you said yeah. Nakagami, I was like, was it Oliveira? I, I was like, oh no, I think, I, I think I'm sure it was Oliveira because Nakagami qualified dead last because of the and that. Injury. That's why I thought he did qualify dead last was because of him crashing out. Well, I mean, if you think about it, um, Nakagami qualified dead last, and this incident was in Q2, wasn't it? So uh, true. Nakagami yeah. would be in Q1. So Right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it, it must have been. Yeah, it was Oliveira. You're making me doubt myself now, and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> but, <laughs> Something. <laughs> um, but anyway. But yeah, it, it was a case of like, that. never in a million years, if you're Peko Bagnari, you're going to see that yellow flag. Like, nobody... No. That you don't even need to ride a bike to know that at that speed, in that pressured situation, not e even in like FP1, FP2, you're not going to see a flag on your right hand side when you're cranked all the way over on your left hand side, mm -hmm. dipping down and flying back up through a corner. Like, there's no way you're seeing that flag. Um, and just on that note, I am going to just blow my own trumpet a little bit. Me and Josh did the last podcast, and I did predict oh, 138.4. Yeah. <laughs> And I saw it come up and I was like, I am the new stat statistician for MotoGP. I felt a little bit like Martin Reigns. You predicted even quicker. You predicted 138.2.1, actually. Think, yeah. Yeah. And it came up and I was like, I was ready to tweet. And then I saw, oh. I saw it come up like it's being reviewed. And I was like, this would be perfect <laughs> because I predicted it right. And it got chalked off, so I was a little put a word into the that. stewards, so yeah, to get it chalked off. Yeah. <laughs> so I've um, I have been in touch with the Algarve officials and just let them know that <laughs> I will be I will be putting in a uh, court case pretty soon. But, a formal yeah. complaint. 
<laughs> I was a little bit um, miffed, but it, it's ridiculous. Yeah, they need to is. sort that out. They need to move it to the left in any situation, whether it be yeah. Moto I, three, Moto two, Moto GP. It can't be on the right. And Rossi even like came out. I, I don't know when he said this. I heard this on another podcast where it comes down to money. Basically, to put marker boards or uh, marshal boards on either side of the track would be double the money. And you want to mm. try to have them every so many, every like at a, in a certain distance. So to put them up would cost even more money. And it's basically the tracks trying to save a little bit of money. I mean, this is. Whenever I whenever this happened, my first thought was Lewis Hamilton at Monza last year. Yeah, yeah. Where it's the board's on his left, he's looking right coming through a turn, yeah. he's never going to see it, just like he's it. He's not going to be looking at it, yeah. Bangaya is leaning all the way, like, he cannot see it because of the Physically. bikes in the way. Yeah. It comes down to you either have to, I don't want to say put some leeway to the rule. Because overall, it is about rider safety and marshal safety because they're out there trying to get the riders, get the bikes out of there. You either have to give a little bit of leeway or get marshal boards on either side of the track. You know, if, if wherever you have them positioned, have one on the left, have one on the right. Yeah, uh, basically that. Uh, there's no other way they could do it unless you know, in, in years to come when technology is better, they could have some kind of. I don't know. I'm probably thinking the realm of fantasy, but some something on on the wrist which would buzz when there's a yellow flag in their sector that they're in. Um, that would probably sound stupid, but you know something where they could maybe, if they're not able to see a flag, they could actually feel a flag, so to speak. Right. Um, it sounds probably sounds silly, but anything to avoid something like this because. Because uh, we have obviously MotoGP, we have um, BT Sport covering MotoGP in, in the UK, don't we, Gunnar? And I don't know if you picked it up, but one of the commentators was saying that uh, which one who did a bit of racing himself, uh, Michael Laverty, or you're about Neil? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was Laverty. It could have been Hodgson. One of the two said that in his position, you're not going to risk slowing down for that yellow flag because you don't know if it's just a if it's just a, a non-event. You're not going to risk your flying mm -hmm. lap, and and especially if you're doing red sectors, you're not going to risk that for something you know that could be so minor um, that could clear up in a couple of seconds. You're just going to go for it and deal with the consequences afterwards. Um, right. So it, it just makes it, it does make sense what what Bang Nai did in the end. Just you know, hell for leather. You know, he didn't see the yellow flag, but I imagine that if he had seen it later on, he would have thought, "I'm just still going to go for it anyway." Because who knows? I, I'm either gonna, you know, get this pole position because it came to nothing in the end, or I'm gonna get the track time, lap time deleted. But at least I gave it a shot. Um, so yeah, he'll probably be kicking himself just for the fact that he he didn't get that pole position. But um, yeah, I guess it could have been could have been a lot worse. It could have been him in the gravel. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, my my view on it is simple that. For anybody in that circumstance, from the track's point of view, to say it's got to be on the right or it's got to be on the left, mm. or like if it's all on one side or whatever with the the new screen inside mm. or what, that's so contradicting. Considering coming out of turn five, if you think when you dip that back straight and you dip down, you turn left, that left hairpin coming out of there, 
I'm 99.9% certain that there's a screen on the left-hand side there. So to say that it's only got to be on one side or, you know, this this track side thing, yeah. I, I think mm -hmm. it's just absolute just rubbish to kind of... Bizarre. Yeah, make up for it. And the key, the, the main point here is the fact that at the end of the day, whether it's a lap time, whether it's... Uh, sorry, whether it's lap time, whether it's a qualifying time, whether it's you dawdling around, so to speak, and you're slacking off, the rider safety is the most important. So if he mm. can't see that flag, even if it's like an oil flag, and he's just yeah. going around there at yeah, whatever yeah. speed, you don't need to be going very quick to slip on oil. He could fire his bike mm. down the road, having not yeah. seen the flag, and mm. puts other people at danger anyway. So yeah. either way, I think they, they do need to sort that out because F1 or GP, they're not looking right going downhill to be going left. No, no one's looking over at the right-hand side. And even if they did, they put themselves even in more danger mm. by not looking where they're going. So but there's yeah, any sense. Like we said, there's no other way for them to know. We don't have voice comms any as well. So if someone on the pit wall can't you know, say to them, look, we've got a yellow flag in sector, whatever it would be. Um, so, the, yeah, there is, unless they sort it out, there's, there's going to be no way for them to, to know, especially at Portimao and at other tracks as well um, mm -hmm. that share the issue. But yeah. another problem was track limits for Vinales. Yep. Wasn't it? <laughs> the old track limits. As your it. hands go on your head. <laughs> uh, and I mean, this year they implemented probably the greatest thing I've ever heard of for track limits where there are sensors that if you go <laughs> a fraction over the line, your lap's invalidated. F1 needs to adopt this immediately <laughs> because this would this would solve so much thing and so much like controversy in that series. But you know it it this is one of those things you're either you they have to find a good middle ground. Mm. Because you either have the tra the sensors that are going to be super critical, or you have the cameras which result on or which rely on the stewards reviewing it to say, oh well, was he? Was he? This camera angle is kind of blurry, and you you got to find that middle ground. Yeah, it, it is frustrating to me because it's like in football with you know the VAR debacle and. They're putting offsides, putting lines down, and it's literally millimeters. And it's the same case here. How much, how much difference is that making? Mm -hmm. Same in football, the millimeter where someone's a millimeter offside, where it probably wouldn't have made any difference. Here, that uh, Vinales, that tiny bit he was off outside of track limits, that little minute bit. How much difference was that? I mean, I'd, make I'd argue that if anything is, I mean, if we're talking this this amount of detail. I think he's losing time because if his part of his tire is not on that curb mm. and it's hanging off, then he's not got full contact with the tire. Exactly. Towards... Mm -hmm. He's because not maximizing those, it. Yeah, those sensors are saying the tire has touched the green. So if his tire is yeah. one, uh, I'm using my hands to describe this, but it's, it's like his tire is at one level and then another part of his tire is at another level, like whether it's higher mm. or lower, that is not maximizing his potential anyway. So if anything, he'll be losing absolute minute amounts yeah. of time but again he's losing time but even still i mean it is so frustrating because i think neil hodgson on bt did say and it's a fair point if you're on the bike 
how do you then know if you are or are not on the curve? Because you you can't feel you have that. no idea. You cannot you can. feel the the slight minute detail of a millimeter on the green. You can't. And it's not going to it's not going to trigger any sensors on your bike to tell you as no. well. And mm-hmm. again, the main sensor is feel. And if they can't feel yeah. that drop, they're just going to think well, that's fine. So mm. they do need to find a middle ground, which does come with trial and error with this sort of thing, but. Two lap times, I was pulling my hair out. Like, I'm not even going to sit here and lie. I was so frustrated because I think the time that he did, if it wouldn't have been for that one, the the main one that got pointed out, he would have been on the front row, which Mm. leading us on to the race, as we know, if you're on a Yamaha and you don't qualify, minimum front two rows, it's only going to be a long day. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we can move on from Yamaha. We can we can move on from Yala's. We don't need to mention. Well, well, no, because we we have to because Vinales <laughs> went from twelfth to twentieth, and yeah, the, the the Yamahas don't have the launch device that a lot of the other bikes have, and it's starting to show because even Quattararo went from pole to sixth place by the end of the first lap. So it's really shown like no matter where you qualify it on a Yamaha, you're going to lose about six places, if not more, because you're going to have Ducatis flying past you. Mm. Yeah. I think I'll say it to a mate of mine that they can forget it when it comes to places like Austria and whatnot, because one a Yamaha is not going to qualify on pole at, at, at a place like Austria. So mm-hmm. if they're on the second row of the grid at best, let's say, and they still don't have a launch device around a place like Austria, they are not even looking at like top 10, maybe yeah. top 12. Like it sounds like I'm being over the top, but Yamaha really need to fix this problem because if they don't, at, at tracks where, you know, Quattararo and Vinales are not going to be the quickest guys race pace at every track or one or the other. At Qatar, it's been Quattararo or Vinales. And on race pace, on through the uh, like FP4, Quat- uh, Vinales and Quattararo at Portimao were the quickest again. But that's not going to be the case at some other tracks. So if they don't sort this race uh, start device out, this launch control or whatever it might be, they are going to struggle. And I've said yeah. it on Twitter, you don't win championships by... If, you, if you've got a bike that if it qualifies first, it ends up sixth by the first turn, it's not always going to go your way like it did no. this weekend, just gone. No. Like People can say, well, it has because it has gone its way this weekend, but it doesn't always work like that. So no. they've got, no. they they like I said last week, Josh, with the podcast that we did, you can see even after he won the race, Quattararo at Qatar, he went straight to the Yamaha guys and said, launch device. As yeah. I'd say, that's yeah. How's that going? That that, that um, needs sorting. So, yeah, yeah, they they need to fix that massively. Like that is the biggest thing for Yamaha now. Nothing else. That's the main thing. Mm. It, it, uh, the other thing with Vinales is he fitted the rear hards for the race, I believe. Both and, Yamahas did. Yeah, I don't. And for Vinales, I, I think that was his downfall for him personally. Because it just didn't it didn't offer him anything. I don't know if he was if he was thinking that later on in the race it'd give him a bit of life and he could fight through the field again like he did at Qatar. Um, but 
yeah, there was just nothing there. He just was not competitive at all. He just stayed at the back. And maybe if he'd have put rear mediums on, it might have gone a little bit different or rear softs. It might have gone different. But I feel like that was a huge mistake on his part. Just sticking yeah. with the rear, the rear hards. Yeah, the, the main um, thing with the Yamaha, it just seems like you watch it Friday and Saturday and you think it looks amazing. And and this goes back to like last year and 2019 where the problems have started to creep in. And I'm saying this, Yamaha have won every race so far, but you know what I mean in terms of mm. you watch it Friday, Saturday, and you think, great. And then you watch it Sunday and it genuinely looks like they've brought a brand new bike. It looks a completely yeah. different bike, whether it's good or bad. It's different. It's black and white compared to a Friday, Saturday thing, which obviously, yeah, you make a bike for the race. I get that. But we're talking complete different bikes, complete different bikes. I mean, mm. take Austria last year. They qualified mid, like a standard qualifying for Yamaha. And it got to the race and you've got bikes that can't break all the Yamahas yeah. across the board. You've got bikes that are revving through the roof that they've got to like do you know what i mean it just it just seems like for yamaha they can't just settle a bike down for a race i just don't really get it it seems to be Mm. if one of them works really well the other one's shocking if one of them's middle ground the other one's flying or doing awful it's i'd be pulling my hair out working in yamaha at the minute it's it's so inconsistent it's not just those bikes, it's the Patronus Yamahas too. Yeah. Because you look yeah. at this weekend and Morbidelli did really well. Rossi did horrible. Yeah. yeah. It, I think Morbidelli being on that like 2019 spec bike, I think, I don't know if it just suited Portimao a bit better or if or if it's starting to come to life for Morbidelli now. Um, but I think a fourth place for Morbidelli was was probably a lot better than he could have hoped for, really, going into this weekend. Because um, it's something which, again, looking at the results of both the Qatar races, where he was absolutely nowhere, um, this is kind of a little bit of, of a relief, a bit of pressure off him, um, I think. Because I think if if we're seeing, we could be seeing the old Morbidelli now, and I'm hoping so. And I'm really hoping in the next few races, especially coming at Hareth, to see him maybe fighting for a podium or maybe even a win. Um, but I guess with Morbidella, we'll have to see. Because, um, uh, again, Rossi as well on the other Patronas bike, it's uh, it's not looking good for them overall, is it? Yeah, it's a good point you both brought up because, again, it just adds to this inconsistent is inconsistency point because you've got Patronas, you've got a 2019 bike, that has mm. performed well and got P4. You've got a 2021 bike that hasn't performed well, but the same bike in the factory team has won. And that also the, the same bike as well in the factory team in Vinales has struggled and then come good at the end of the yeah. race. So you've got you've got four bikes, one of them a 2019 spec, but three the, the three 2021 bikes have all gone different ways. And yeah. yeah, they're not all the same riders, but like Matt said, you've got Quattararo and Vinales, both with that uh, hard rear, one's gone and won the race and one's gone backwards. Yeah. So, again, it's just like, I don't know. I re- Honestly, I really don't know what to say with Yamaha. It's, it's baffling. 
And people are probably listening to this thinking, yeah, people listen to this thinking, well, they've won all three races, but people watching it closely enough will know that it's it's so up and down with Yamaha. It it just is. Mm. It's almost like they've... Oh, Matt. No, good. I was just going to say, it's almost, in a way, you could say they've not been gifted the wins, but they wear Ducatis to lose, and they have lost them. Or the, especially the first two rounds, anyway. Um, yeah. So it's not. Although, like like Bono said, they've, although we've, they've won the first three races of the season, it, it doesn't. Not everything's not as it seems. It's not as rosy as it seems at Yamaha. Yeah, I mean, the last ra- the last round of last season, you've got like we mentioned in the last podcast, you've got three of them that have that I've just mentioned: Rossi, Quattararo, and Vinales all trailing around at the back with, we'll get onto him, but with Rins. And then all of a sudden, everyone thinks that Yamaha are going to just breeze the championship because they've won Qatar 1 and 2 and Portimao. But personally, I'm not not convinced at the tracks that are completely against the Yamaha bike, like your Austrias. I'm not as Mm. convinced with... I don't know. I, I think with Honda and Ducati... They'll go to tracks that don't suit them, but they'll still pick up like a decent result. Yeah. But the tracks mm-hmm. that really don't suit the Yamaha, I don't think it's going to be like that. I think it's going to be the fact that they'll really struggle. I could be wrong, but I don't know. I, I'm I'm ha- I will happily, very very happily be proven wrong, but <laughs> I don't know. I'm not convinced. And it sounds stupid. I know I've said this. It sounds stupid, but you know what I mean. It's just yeah. It's difficult. Yeah. One yeah. last one last point about the Yamahas. Uh this is a little bit of a kick between the berries. Uh Vinales was dead last for a, almost three laps. Uh the only like divider in there was Polis Bargaro dropping back to dead last, which moves us on to our next point. All of the major riders who crashed out in this race like we had some big names in championship positions too. yeah go out of this we had Paula Spargo go down on lap 21 Jack Miller go down with 20 laps to go Rossi with 11 rings with seven and then Zarco a lap later like mm. if there was ever a race to shake up the championships and it was this one yeah, yeah. Zarco was it, definitely the 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 surprise, I think, of anything, I, I think, just to break them yeah, down a little so bit. Shocked. Yeah, Rins, you knew that, like, Quattararo was basically seeing that Rins was able to keep up with him, but I think Quattararo knew that if he kept pushing the pace, Rins either had to go hell for leather or back mm-hmm. off, and Rins went yeah. hell for leather, and it paid, you know, it, it paid off for Quattararo. But Zarco, he crashed there, didn't he, previously in qualifying? At the same corner he crashed out and in the race at the top of the hill. Um was a big surprise. Um Paula Spargo retired to a brake failure, I believe it was, which is a little bit Yeah, I saw the, I saw him pull into the pits, but I didn't yeah. know much else about what happened. Yeah. But I a saw a replay failure. where he crashed like I want to say it was in the last turn. Yeah, that was in um that was, was that in that was else? on Saturday. Yeah, that was on Saturday okay. that was. But that he got away with that one. He got away with that one massively. I mean, mm-hmm. if it had just given it a little bit more throttle on that crash, he, that could have been a lot, lot worse. But 
Paul's Maiden Nails, to be fair to it. Well, they all are, but... Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Yeah, the, the Rins one was forced from Quattararo. It, it was a case of he could. Yeah. Have, I think he could have settled for second and just sat at his own pace in between Fabio and Mir and Peko behind, because they mm. split away, didn't they? Rins and Fabio, they they kind of yeah, went they away. Had, yeah, they had built up a gap because yeah. when Rins went down, Quattararo was like five seconds ahead of everyone yeah. else. Yeah, it was four, and then he built it up to five. So there, there was a gap. There was a gap for him mm -hmm. to. Just sitting between, yeah. Really, but... he, he just pushed his luck, it was riding beyond his limit at that particular point, trying to keep up with Quattro And it, it cost him, as we know, yeah. with Rins. Usually, as it goes with Rins, is he, he pushes hard early on in the race and then kind of either starts dropping down the order or crashes out in the second half of the race. Um, and the latter happened this time around, but it's annoying because Suzuki needed them points. And it did felt it felt like he'd thrown it away massively. There was, in my opinion, there was no need for Rins. I know he's desperate for another for another win. He's desperate to fight for the championship because last season he thought he should have been in um, Mia's position. But it, it was just silly for him to try and, and push beyond his limits to keep up with Quartararo and to try and take the win. Yeah. yeah, I think if you look at it in a grand scheme of things, you've got Mia behind him, who knew he couldn't go with Rins and Quattraro because he, he wasn't mm -hmm. willing to risk the tyre and he knew that if mm -hmm. he did try to do what Rins did... I mean, Rin, Rins was like... I think he was like one thousandth of a second quicker the lap before. Like, he, he was matching Quattraro's uh, pace. But mm -hmm. everyone knew Quattraro could keep that pace going for the next X amount of laps. But Rins mm -hmm. was kind of pushing his luck and was either going to be like... you've either Look, mate, you've either got to put a pass on him and slow him down... Or you've got to back off, and yeah. obviously he tried to go pushing for it, and he he didn't get the result he wanted. But Mir sat back with Pecco and was like, "Look, I'm either going to get third or fourth before Rins crashed out, but it's the sensible option because I can't match the same pace." He knew the bike wasn't able to do it, but mm. looking back at last year, that's why Mir won the championship because when he couldn't go fighting for the wins. He was there third, second, third, second, third, fourth, kind mm -hmm. of, you know, picking up solid points. And if Rins wants to be in contention, throwing it down the road, chasing for wins, you'd, I'm sorry, but me personally, I think if Rins would have even got in front of Fabio, Fabio would have got back in, got back, yeah. back past him and just broke away anyway. I think the sensible option for Rins would have just been settling for second or mm. third or fourth if the tie didn't last, but it would have been better than going for it. Yeah, Mia, Mia knows when to pick his battles and when not to. And Rins, it seems, doesn't at the moment seem to know how to do that. He's too blinded by a win. He's trying to get another race win, I think. And he's too focused yeah. on that. Um, it's all or nothing, really, with Rins, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah. And on the other falls, uh, Jack Miller again. Jesus. What he's That's having, one I was just I about think, to go to. Yeah, yeah, I think we were on the same page there, Matt. He's... He is having, I don't think his season, there couldn't have been too much of a polarisation there, really. You know, pre-season, he was the man to beat. It was Jack Miller on top of the world. Who's going to, who's going to, you know, topple Jack Miller? Who's going to take him on to now where right. he's, he's got two ninth places and a DNF. Yeah. It's, it's not looking good and the pressure's on big time. Yeah. I don't know if it's the pressure of being at the factory Ducati. I don't know if the team is putting any pressure on him. I don't know if it's just something 
you know, mental where he's had stuff going on, but something like something is not right. You know, he we saw he did. He topped testing. You know, he's been able to not really qualify well, but he's up towards the top. And then it's like he gets into the race and it just all falls apart. You know, and he's either doing something like Qatar 2 where he's trying to crash in a mirror and ruins his race or he just crashes out like this race. Yeah. Mm. Um, with Miller, I think you're right, Josh, in that, and I, I said this as well before the season, that he kind of had this cloud above him that was like, this is the guy. You know, he... He's, he's not moving manufacturer. He's on the same bike, but within the factory team. It was almost like mm-hmm. we're going to get a more improved Jack Miller. And I don't believe, you know, he's, he's not got worse or like had something dr- like dramatic enough to change him. But what it is at the minute that just isn't going his way, I'm not entirely sure. But it was the case of before the season, it was nobody looking at Yamaha because of how last season finished. No one was looking at Marquez because, obviously, with the injury and everything, it was almost like a little bit like with Dovi in 2020, where everyone went, "Right, this is this is your time." Do you know what I mean? This is Shan, yeah. This is it. And Miller's not the kind of guy that really needs bedding in, in a sense. I don't think in a factory Mm. team. I think he's the kind of guy to take to that like a duck to water. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know if anybody does know, and I don't want to get too graphic on it. But when he did crash. The um the arm pump injury that he's just had, he actually oh, did, yeah. he did rip all the stitches out of mm. that injury. Which mm. it's kicking him when he's down, really. Yeah, that that is a nasty, nasty crash. You could just see body body language as well when he went down. How you know how much that meant him yeah. crashing out because he's probably mm. he's probably behind the scenes. He's probably been told or he's been eluded by a Ducati factory. Like you know, this is a this is a race where we need as a team and personally you need to perform after after yeah. Qatar and you could tell by his body language he was really really deeply kind of upset and angry at what had just happened yeah. and it's something he just does not need um especially like you know everyone thinking lightning just strikes twice and Ducati's only championship was with an Aussie and they're thinking oh here we go we've got another championship we could get and it's going to be with an Aussie and now it's up in flames a little bit. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a tough one. But on the other side of the coin, you've got Bang Aya, which, you know, he's... he's I've, I like Bang Aya. Um, I, since I saw him last season, I've I rated him in the in the races we actually saw him in. Um, and going into the season, I did say, I think in the first podcast we did, I, I did say that he, he was going to be a dark horse, that he might, you know, surprise us with a few results. And I think he's on track to do that, definitely. Yeah, I did feel a little bit bad. I think I mentioned it when I um, took him out of my fantasy team. And <laughs> lo and behold, I took him out of my fantasy team for the home man. And the home man crashed out. And the guy I took out got on the podium. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, all, all jokes aside, Bagnaya, I mean, Ducati would be looking at him as though to say, well, Jack's not doing great. But, you know, the the supposed, I don't want to label him the second guy in the team. But Miller was chose first for that team. He was signed very early. He was the guy to replace Dovi. 
and it was a case mm-hmm. of Zarko, Bagnaya, Market. Like there was a lot of names being thrown into the hat before it was confirmed to be Bagnaya. So that gave me the impression that Miller was their guy, whether he still is still is or not. I think people will say, "Yeah, Jack's our guy," and it's not really a Ducati. Will probably say it's not a first and second rider, but I think we all know that Miller's their main guy. So for Bagnaya to be knocking up podiums and Miller be throwing it down the road and getting into scuffles like he was with Mia, I don't think he'd be going down too well with Ducati. Um, and obviously the arm pump injury and everything else. I think depending on how good he is when he gets back to Hareth, I think that might be the last straw that Ducati kind of give him with, you know, almost a bit of a cushion for him to say, get that one out of the way. But, you know, you are our guy. So come on. Mm. Like we At the end of the day, I mean, it's not like he's been on the podium and then been throwing it down the road. He, he's yet to hit the ground running with Ducati. Yeah. So they yeah, will be looking at this like, come on, like we need you to be doing what we've signed you to do. Like you mm. say, this whole Aussie Ducati like storyline that everyone seems to love. It was written. Everybody wanted that again in Ducati yeah. and the fans of, of Ducati wanted it. And at the minute, it couldn't really be going too much worse for how well they, they wanted it to go and how mm. well they thought it was going to go. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it a bad bad weekend for Jack. You could see he was distraught. In even in the garage after he, he looked clueless. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, um, I, I heard him speak to Marquez as well after the race, and he said, "I was just catching up with the guy in front, and I just grabbed the slightest bit of front brake, and then that was it. I, I didn't really know what's all it takes. It. It's crazy. But, yeah, yeah. It's it very similar to what happened to Zarco too. Hmm." Like yeah, you think he's fine, he's you know he's in a good position, and he just grabs the slightest bit of front brake when you're leaning one way or the other, and the whole bike just goes out from under you. Mm. Yeah, it's difficult. But like I said, Bangnaya, he did well. He's got a calm, collective head on those shoulders, I think, and there's not much pressure on him uh, going into the season. And I don't think at the moment there's much pressure on him at the, um, going forward in the season. It's most of it's on Miller, so I think he's got a lot of room to maneuver and a lot of room to, you know, perform and do well. But um, moving on, actually, I just want to quickly mention. I say quickly, uh, gloss over uh, KTM, mm. but we might as well mention them. Um, obviously, Oliveira. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, Oliveira. It wasn't a fairy tale return to no. Baltimore, was it? Which is a shame. Um, the, o- the only rider to be a lap down during the race. <laughs> yeah, he Pretty crashed in and then rejoined. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to say, I don't want to take it away from Binder, but before I, I move on from my point, Binder, solid result. Absolutely yep, yep. solid yeah, result. To, to come from, where did he start, Matt? I don't know if you have the starting positions on, uh, in front of you. Yeah, I think one it was 15th. Second. Yes, 15th. Fifth, yeah, 15th. And he finished where, just to clarify? Fifth. Fifth? Fifth. To go from 15th to 5th on a bike that, as we've seen from Oliveira and from the KTM Tech 3 guys, not looking as competitive as what we kind of hoped they would be coming into this weekend. Nope. And to go from 15th to 5th on any track is brilliant, but to be the the one standing out for KTM, Brad Binder, 
I'd take my hat off to if I had one on. That 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 is an amazing result, especially considering they've not really got off the the ground, have they this year? Right. No, is a is a good result. I think partially with Portugal, it was due to the um, the tyres. We're happy with Michelin's decision. Um, it was the front tyre or something to do with the compounds, and it really messed them up this this weekend or you know this time round at Portugal. Um, but it didn't stop Brad Binder putting it in fifth, so it can't have been that bad. Mm-hmm. But that was the the initial complaints anyway, or excuses, depending on which one you want to view it as, um, as to why they didn't perform this well as they they should have. But yeah, I, I mean, I, KTM are still so so young, and I, I do keep saying it, but people do forget that they are very very young. And for us to sit here and say fifth is like. A good result, but not like a standout, oh my God, KTM mm. a fifth. Mm-hmm. It does go to show how far they've come, really, in a way, because... Definitely. Yeah, they've they've won a couple of races last year. Well, three races, sorry, last year. Um, fifth place, for us to be like, it's it's good, and it's it's a great result for Brad, coming from how far back he came. It just goes to show like the standard that everyone's sort of set for KTM. Mm. Um, well, I, I have no doubt that they'll bounce back at... Uh, tracks that suit them a little bit more yeah and they'll they'll do a lot better but it is a case of waiting to see what they do because again everyone can sit there and say you know Ducati at Austria KTM at Austria and places like that and Yamaha at Misano and say you know when the bike fits the track and this and that but you only win championships like Suzuki when you're competitive all across the board Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah I think KTM are, are, are struggling but it will be a case of seeing how they develop through the year anyway. But fifth fifth yeah. place, Brad Binder, I think if I am just going to put my rider of the day in quickly, I think that might be a contender because that is a brilliant result. There are, there are yeah. yeah, touching on that, there are a few and I'm still trying to work it out. But hopefully by the end and shortly, I'll, I'll have figured it out. Um, yeah. I'm not if you want to touch one. on, have you not? Yeah. I was going to the I think the thing everyone has talked about, and you want to talk about good results, Mark Marquez coming back. Oh yeah, we haven't even even mentioned him yet. Jesus, to qualify um, to come back nine months, two hundred and sixty five days. That number has been drilled into my head over the past weekend. <laughs> to qualify ninth and then finish seventh. I mean, yeah. he even said coming into this weekend, I have no benchmark. I don't have a set position I want to finish, where I want to qualify. I just want to come back and see how I do. And you could really, you really started seeing it in like Q2, where he's yeah. like getting, he's getting ready, he's getting geared up to go, and he's just working his right arm and he's flexing. It, and you're like, he's getting a little sore there. You know mm. how how is this going to go? And you know he he played the mark games that he plays during qualifying, so. He hasn't lost that, you know, edge that, you know, the intelligence he has. And to finish where he did, I mean, you really can't ask for a better result coming back after nine months away. Yeah. Um, On that, for me, if Marquez would have rolled around and been three laps down and finished that race with, I don't know, if he'd have done 10 laps and had just said, you know Mm -hmm. what, that's it for me. Yeah, I'm not a Honda man, but I would have, 
you know, I'd have took my heart off to him because to do what he's done and go through what he's gone through, it only takes a certain percentage of people to to go through that and to say, you know what, even though it could be career changing, career ending, to think, nah, I'm not having any of that, and to come back and be straight back in and to finish seventh at a, mm. a track that is you want to talk about physical tracks i mean it doesn't really get much more physical than what is being mm-hmm. labeled as the roller coaster um yep that that's unbelievable i mean he took his but helmet then, off and he's sitting there like wiping tears from his eyes yeah. I, I, that is mm-hmm. you make no less of a man to me yeah. crying his eyes out i mean that takes some absolute and the, cojones if you like and this a track is he hasn't raced that before on that current, you know, motorbike. Right. Um, he didn't race last season at Portimao, so it's a bit. It, it had some further credence to it that he managed. He pulled it off, and I think finishing, yeah, finishing, um, where he did was just incredible. Uh, and it, it even fought at the beginning. You know, the first lap or so, he was really, you know, taking it to the front and really mm-hmm. giving it some, giving it a go. Mm-hmm. I think he. I think his body told him actually, like, come on, let's let's calm down now. You're going to end up with a gravel trap. So, but even that, it just, yeah, it was just amazing comeback. And I kind of, to be honest, I forgot for most of the race, I totally forgot he was there. Yeah. But in a way, that was a that was a good thing because it meant he wasn't pushing it, you know, to the limits. Mm-hmm. We weren't seeing him fighting at the front, trying to just keep up with everyone else at the front. We didn't hear, you know, we didn't. We didn't see him go off into the gravel trap and crash. We we saw him take the checkered flag, and that was just brilliant. It was the best thing. I think I said in the podcast last week that you know if he gets a points position, that's like you know solid. That's something that he can be proud of, and you know that he, he managed it, and it's something he can be proud of. And it, going forward, it puts him in a really really good position now. And he, I'd say I don't want to say Mark Marquez is back, but He's back, you know. <laughs> in, yeah, in, I mean, in a way. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to put my um, my lottery numbers in this week because I did say uh, 38.4 for qualifying, and I did actually say a top eight for Mark Marquez when Josh oh, said it? top 15. <laughs> so I mean, realistically, that's a top 15. No. I think. Yeah, I think you said points. Uh, points scoring. I mean, technically, you are right. I did say, if you yeah. want to, if you want to take that accolade, points, both right. point scoring. Yeah, um, both right. Yeah. But yeah, it's. Um, yeah, it's phenomenal. I mean, to come back from that and just, like I say, if, if he'd have gone around three laps and said, no, that's enough for me, and then mm. gone, mm. let's go to a ref, I would have still given him the applause that he deserves because yeah. it doesn't matter what you support or what kind of side of the fence that you're on with Marquez or whoever, you have got to respect somebody that does that. Like, it doesn't mm, matter. Definitely. It doesn't matter who you are. If you don't respect mm. that, in my eyes, you you're not really a true fan of this sport because you you've got to mm. understand what he's gone through and just the the rehab you've seen the guy going through. I mean, he's had three operations flown all around the world, getting specialist treatment, gone through some absolute mega yeah. pain to yeah. get back and race. Like fair play, mm. absolutely just fair play to the guy. I think. Um... Two other riders you have to congratulate and uh, respect is the two LCR Hondas for not crashing and actually finishing the race. So. <laughs> Let's give that um, a big round of applause for finishing the race. <laughs> Alex Marquez, he, he finished the race, couldn't believe it. Behind his yeah, brother, no less, but 
Um, but Nakagami, to be fair, all seriousness, for him to finish the race after um, you know after what he's been through, yeah, it's it's Can't fair play. Fair play to him, honestly. Finishing above Vinales, I mean, he managed it. So fair play to him on that one because he, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have expected him to to finish where he did. Um, yeah. yeah, so fair play to the to the Honda guys. Um, who are we moving on to next? Uh, oh, yeah, that's one we've kind of skipped over is uh, Aprilia and the Spargaro. Um, I was literally just looking at that as well. Yeah, yeah. yep. I think that's a. Hell of a finish. Yeah, sixth place. I mean, I guess we're now we're now that we've gotten away from Qatar, we are seeing that this bike is capable of top 10 finishes. You know, it's not battling for podiums yet. Do we see Davi come in? Because he did do the testing. It, you know, Maybe once, maybe if he does come in because Salvadori finished 14th, but when you've got out of 16 riders finishing, I mean, that's it. He was 38 seconds back. So, I mean, in the you know, the rider above him in 13th was Petrucci, he was 29 seconds back. So, you've got almost a nine second gap between the two, like. This is starting to become a trend with Salvadori. Like, yep. Aproy has got to do something. They're not mm. going to be able to compete for team or constructor championships at this point because with Yamaha. Just one bike. No. Yeah. If, with just one bike, they can't do it. And Yamaha mm. is taking off. If Ducati can get stuff right with Jack, they're going to be taking off. You know, Aproy has got to do something now before it's impossible to not finish last again. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Aprilia are the only team, along with Suzuki, that run two bikes as a manufacturer. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm not I'm stating the obvious here that, like, Suzuki and Aprilia are in two different worlds. So, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, I don't want to disrespect Savadori, but when you've got two riders like Mir and Rins, yes, Rins has crashed out, but the guy's going to fight for top fives. And you've got Savadori that is, you know, let's let's set the record straight. Let's call a spade a spade. He's not, you know, he's not where Aspargro is. No, um, he's way off. Yeah, I think Aprilia are kind of looking at it this way, where they've got this next test at Mugello with Dovi. And if Dovi is confident enough that on two different tracks, he feels there or thereabouts, and Aprilia can get around it, I think they'll probably move him aside and get Dovi on it. Like yeah, at the end of the day, they, they want if they had Dovi on it, if Dovi said I'll race next week at Reth or the week after, sorry, they'd do it. Like they'd move Salvador mm-hmm. aside straight away. Um but Dovi's kind of waiting confidence wise, like, okay, where where does this bike suit if it's mm. not a Reth? It, it does it is it going to work at Magello? He, he's or... seen the results from of Espargaro and I think he'll be pretty happy with sixth yeah. place. Um massively eight seconds off the pace of Quartararo. Um, yeah. And I, I think mean, Dovi, it, obviously we don't know what's going on behind the scenes and what Dovi's said. Uh, obviously we know that he's, he seems to be quite fairly happy with how the test went, but um, I don't know if if there's anything he wanted to see from that bike going forward, but I think he'll be impressed from today, surely. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, if I don't want to sound harsh again, but if for me, if a Spargo can finish sixth, yeah, the bike, he, he's used to the bike, it's made for him. But if we're looking at like 2022, if Dobby's at the level that he was at before he left, then for me, if Aspargaro can fight for top six, top eight, then Dovi's, you would think, going to be in that same question. Like he's going to be top six, top five. And, you know, I mean, for Aprilia to get a top five, that would be that'd be amazing if they can get two bikes near the top yeah. like eight. That's massive. Mm-hmm. For someone like Aprilia, if you're talking on what Matt was on about with kind of getting rid of that remark as the worst bike or the bottom bike, if they can get in that top 10 regularly with two riders, that's the next step. Because mm. I think they I think they all know that Savadori is at the minute kind of collecting extra data in a sense. And I, I don't I do not mean that disrespectfully, but they know that they need a guy on it that is going to be able to get in that top ten. Yeah. Um and Dovi's that guy. So it's a way of convincing him. And let's not forget, there's no guarantee that Dovi's coming back. There's no guarantee that he wants the Aprilia. You know, mm-hmm. it's MotoGP. Anything can happen. Somebody might get injured again, or somebody might just say, "I'm retiring." At, you know, it sounds daft, but it only takes something like that for him to say, "Well, actually, I don't want to go to Aprilia. I want to go to whoever that spot comes available with." I mean, you've heard about Morbidelli that he's peeved off with uh, Yamaha. That if anywhere does come available, that he's almost saying, "You know, I, I want a factory team because he feels mm-hmm. like he deserves it." So. If that spot becomes available, would Dovi go there? If they wanted Dovi, do you know what I mean? It's all a bit this and that with the driver market, but there's no guarantees that Dovi is 100% coming back with Aprilia. But they do yeah. need him. If they want to make that next step, they need Dovi for me. Definitely. I don't know about Definitely. you guys. Um, no, I agree with you 100% on that front. Um, anything else you want to add, Matt? Or are you, are you wanting to move on? No, that's, I mean, it's it's pretty much cut and dry with the Aprilia. They either need to do something, get Davi on that bike, or basically, I don't want to say call the season a loss, but deal with what they have. Because you mm-hmm. either, you got to do one or the other. You either have to get Davi in there on that other bike, or... Your t- you're going to be at the bottom of the list again. Yeah. But. Definitely. I agree. I think the. The thing we've all been. We haven't touched on yet. Is Quattararo. Dominating this race. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, he started on pole. And like we talked about uh, earlier. He dropped down to sixth. But then from there. Mm. From. Lap one to eight was just able to pick riders off, you know, one lap or two laps. And by n- lap nine, he was in the lead and just never let go. And yeah. like, like we said with Renz, just forced, you know, forced Renz to make a mistake and basically, you know, guarantee him the win. Mm. Yeah, just he... kept upping that pace, didn't he, lap by lap? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was on another level. He was and... really. The old, Ma, uh, the old Quattararo from like the beginning of last season we saw, definitely. Yeah, and it was something cool to see because like usually when you're watching racing, it's like one of the first few laps is the fastest 
and then it's pretty much set from there because they're on fresh tires. Yeah, they might have more fuel, but you know they usually set a faster lap, and then from there, it, it's sort of like that's the benchmark. But to see every lap, you know, him or Rins setting the fastest lap over and over, you're like, where are they going to stop? Like, mm. where's the point where they quit setting fastest laps and just <laughs> sort of like settle in? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean that that was Quattararo's plan. It was a case of, okay, you you want to stick with me, then you've got to go with my pace. And Rins almost thought, all right, then I'll I'll kind of you know win or bust sort of thing. I'll, I'll go with it. I'll I'll try and match the pace. Kept getting quicker, kept getting quicker, and it was just a ticking time bomb at that at that stage of this Suzuki's either gonna go for the win and almost be left with no tire at all, yeah, or mm-hmm. You know he's going to have to ease off, and the tire went off a lot earlier than what Rins wanted it to. And yeah, I think to be fair, a lot of people will slate Rins for it. And yeah, I think Josh is right that Rins is a case of first half he's one rider, and a second half he's a different kind of rider in the sense of like doing it right one way and doing it right the other. But I give most of the credit to what Rins did to Quattararo. I think he just race management wise. Yeah. 10 out of 10. I mean, he won the race, yeah. but like the way he broke away with Rins, made it just him and Rins, kept up in the pace just to increase the gap and to frustrate Rins. Brilliant. Brilliant. I mm-hmm. mean, it's it's champion kind of level. A little bit like a Lorenzo sort of vibe, Josh. Do you yeah, definitely. Like uh, yeah, I'm feeling, I am feeling the Lorenzo vibe from him in that race, definitely. It, it, it was quite methodical, wasn't it? Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't a Marquez-esque Kind of, I don't want to say. Well, I don't want to say brash, but well, I am going to say it, it wasn't like a brash kind of Marquez-esque style race for him. It was definitely a more more of a methodical Lorenzo style yeah. race, but and it's something he needs to continue doing mm. uh, and have that consistency because that's what let him down last season. He got himself in a bit of a rut and didn't didn't get out of it. Um, but if he can go, uh, you know, continue this season with that consistency. From the last couple of races, he, he's in a really, really good position going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that classic Lorenzo thing that we're talking about is you almost felt like, and this is the Quattararo thing of this season, of if he gets out in front, I'm talking like 2015 Lorenzo, if he got out in front, mm. it was like, look, you can if you don't get back at him in the next corner, not la- next lap, if you're not in, <laughs> in front of him the next corner, he's off. Like there's... Yeah. There's no two ways about it. You're either going and stopping him like Marquez would or like a Rossi mm. snap straight back at him. Because if you don't, it's mm. going to be tick, 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 sort of like lap after lap after lap, just yeah. lap record, lap record, lap record. And the the Yamaha does suit that sort of that sort of style, that methodical, mm. smooth style. And yeah, it, it, it did give me a big Lorenzo vibe, which is, I suppose, only a good sign. Really, for quite <laughs> for you. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, just a touch as well, just before we wrap this up. Um, just to touch on the rookies and how they performed in this race. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, one was absent. Absent, um, Martin with that huge yeah. crash he had, and um, we hope he's back in Hereth. Whether he will be or not, I'm not sure, but. Uh, we do hope he returns soon because he is mm-hmm. something special and I do want to see him fighting at the front. Um, uh, and I'm looking forward to his return, definitely. Um, 
don't know if you uh, you two have anything to add to that on the Martin incident, but yeah, it was a nasty crash. Um, mm-hmm. He, to be fair, he seems very unlucky with this sort of thing. It happened with Moto Two in testing before he even got on mm. the bike for real in twenty. Would have been 2018, 20, no, 2019, sorry, before the preseason testing. He, I think he broke a leg. And then it happened again when he was racing, where he seems to go a long period of time where he, you know, he builds up this confidence and then mm. he has a bad crash and it almost stops his progression. But mm. we all know what he's capable of and we all know the the progression he's made from Moto 3 upwards. We all, you know, every, everyone knows Martin's a special, special rider and. Hopefully, like you say, he can be back for her earth because he's he's one of them where he's only going to get better race by race. So, yeah, hope I hope he's all right and everything with how that went. Definitely. Yeah. Um, anything for you, Matt, on that one? Uh, no, just wishing him a speedy recovery. I mean, it was that was a nasty crash. Um, yeah, it looked like it, a ragdoll, didn't it? Yeah, watching it live, like you just saw, like whenever he landed, he's like on his hands and knees and he's not really moving you're like this is not good and i mean yeah we did they're saying he could have multiple broken bones mm. head contusion you know it's it's one of those things where you know hopefully he can not try to come back too fast that's always my biggest yeah. worry with something like it mm. is he gonna try to come back too fast and risk injuring it more kind of like mark did last year so as much as they these riders want to get back on the bike and get going again you know take your time Mm, relax and recover before you do more damage yeah i think you're probably repeating every doctor in the world that says this to all the riders and they all go yeah 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 okay yeah sure doc (laughs) Walk out. How um, long do wait, I have to wait? Yeah, straight, straight in one ear, straight out the other. He'll probably be sitting there nodding to all the doctors and be thinking, oh, yeah. hooray, hooray. Yeah. Um, definitely. But luckily, it was a quite a race for the other two uh, rookies. Yeah. Um, Bastianini in ninth and Marini in 12th. Uh, mm-hmm. Not really much to say. I think they just, you know, got their heads down and, and rid their own race. And and that was about it. They, uh, they, Decent points off Bastianini, I think. Uh, Marini didn't do too bad as well. So yeah. um, I think they're just obviously building strength to strength, just getting used to the feel of the bike, getting used to being in MotoGP. And I think, I don't know, I'm hoping like towards the end of the season we'll see a surprise qualifying performance from one of the two or a surprise race performance from one of the two. That would be quite mm-hmm. enjoyable. Well, I mean, this, I think... this race was interesting too because Marini qualified eighth. So it was similar to uh, Martin in Qatar one, where he, well, no, eh, similar, where he he ended up high, and you're like, mm. okay, but he's a rookie, he's not going to say here. It's kind of the same with Martin, where it's like, or uh, Marini, where it's like, okay, he's eighth, he's not gonna like, he's not gonna stay there. Mm. He is gonna drop back, but can he minimize? how many positions he loses, yeah. which I feel he did. I mean, he'd lost, what, four positions. Mm. It could have been a lot worse. For, a, been, for a rookie, been. that's, yeah. you know, I mean, that's decent. And again, let's not forget that those two, not only are they rookies, they're on a bike that last yeah. year and the year before, you would have said, hands down with the Aprilia, is the least competitive bike on the yeah. grid. Yep, definitely. So... 
for a rookie, like if they're not trailing around at the back on a a, le- oh, well, a less competitive uh, bike, sorry, that's an amazing result. And to get in the top ten like Bastianini did, brilliant. I think yeah. personally, I think that's uh, like Josh said, it's just head down, keep going, chip away, and hopefully they teeth. can pick up. Yeah, hopefully they could pick up a good. Maybe a top six, somewhere like that. Yeah, that'd be good. Along the line. That'd be a brilliant result, but either yeah. way, I think they're doing brilliant. Uh, to do like we did with Moto2, Moto3, top three was Quattraro, Banyaya, and Mir. And for driver, or yeah, driver, rider of the day. <laughs> uh, Ooh, that's going to be tough, that is, for GP. Wow. Yeah, um, this is... I'm taking Bender. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to to be on, like you said, a bike that is not competitive. The other KTM's were thirteenth, fifteenth, and sixteenth. The only thing mm. breaking them up was Salvadori. So to have yeah. a bike and like that and be able to put it where he did, he deserves all the praise for this race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 My... Definitely, that's a good one. Mine's going to be Mark Marquez. I uh, knew I, it. I, 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 <laughs> and the thing is, my inner Yamaha is going, how dare you? But <laughs> no, all like bias aside, I, I've already said it enough. You, I can't praise the guy enough. I, I don't think mm. I really need to say that much on it. But I think if anybody gave him rider of the day or if they, I think they should do that, actually. They do it in F1, don't they? The whole yeah, driver. Yeah, should, I think it's it just should, a cool little yeah, thing definitely. with the fan interaction side of things. But yeah, hmm. Mark, Mark for me, absolute hats off. Amazing. I guarantee yeah. you, if they had some sort of like rider of the day, like F1 has driver of the day, Marquez would have gotten it hands yeah. down for this race. Yeah, hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, man's got to be Alex for Alex Marquez for not crashing. Um, <laughs> but I'm joking. No, that's, that's a joke. Sorry, Alex. Um, if you're listening. Um, Oh, he is. Famously, one of our highest listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when Martin listened in. Um, no, I, I really struggled. I, I thought to myself, right, Morbidelli is my rider of the day just for how, how we managed the fourth. But then I thought, mm-hmm. no, he's, he's yeah, he, he did well. But Banyaya coming from, what was he, 11th on the grid to finish second. Yeah, true. Um, you know, coming back and especially from that disappointment of losing that pole position. But then I just thought, no, nah, I'm just going to give it again to Quartararo. I think another, like I did the Moto2 for first position. I think Quartararo just, he just led, commanded the race so well and led it so well. And obviously not from the off, but from from early on. And he just he just controlled the race. And that, that was just like a championship kind of winning race from Quartararo there. So I think I will I will give my ride of the day to Quartararo. Yeah. It's where did you think Morbidelli started? He started eleventh, or am I getting confused? Uh, no, I think Mo- he was referring to Bagnaya. I think he said Bagnaya. Oh yeah, Mor- yeah, sorry, oh, okay. Bagnaya. Yeah, I was about to say Morbidelli was fifth. No, Which... no, yeah, um, yeah, Bagnaya was eleventh. So I was, I, yeah. I nearly got yeah. ride of the day for me for his performance, but yeah. Yeah, uh, I think um, whilst we get the fantasy side of things running, just on that with what you were saying about Quattararo, I get what you mean. Like, it, I, I think picking the guy that won is a little bit like cliche, if you like. But, yeah, um, it's, it's understandable. I mean, it's not like, it's like 
you know, yeah. he pipped it or anything like that. He, he literally mm-hmm. bossed it from start to finish mm. once he got to the front. So, yeah, uh, that's yeah. fair enough. I think all three of our picks are decent, decent picks anyway. So, yeah, and he's leading the uh, rider championship now uh, with 61 points. Bangyaya is in second with 46 points. So, this is quickly, and I don't want to compare it to last season because he only won the first two races and it dropped off, but he's. Mm. Yeah, he's starting to put a gap there. So if he can keep mm. it going, you know, and I just wanted to point this out. Mark scored nine points. He yeah. is 14th <laughs> out of 23 in one oh, race. Yeah, yeah, everyone else needs to start just collecting as many points as they can, just in case. Mm-hmm. Well, I think if yeah, we... Um... If we take out turn three at Areth and just make it one big straight round to turn six, <laughs> I think Mark will have no kind of PTSD or anything. I think I yeah. think we'll probably win. Yeah. Little flyover just for Mark on that one. <laughs> flyover, yeah. But yeah, moving over to fantasy. Uh we have a new leader in I don't know who this is, Ant Man Motorcycles from Australia. Yeah, I saw that so, message just to tell him to leave, just so that I can get that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Bono's dropped down to second, and then a certain someone is in third. So there you go. You've turned it around. Yeah, I said um... you'd turn it around after. Was it the first one or the second one that you were? Um, I think you were like ninth, and you you were quite annoyed. The first, the first one. Yeah. See, there you I, go. I've been keeping the faith in Jack Miller a bit, bit, bit a bit too long now, so I need to I, I need to I boot him. Them. Yeah, you, you and Ducati, Josh. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I after this last race, I'm like, no, I I gotta make up a change, and I I contemplated dropping him or Oliveira, and I was like, I can get more of a return for dropping Miller and picking up somebody else. So, mm. yeah, yeah, he just he had to go. Yeah. I think Pekka will be making his way back into my team. I think I'll probably put my tail between my legs for getting rid of him. <laughs> I never saw from the him. start for me. I believed in him. Yep. From the start. <laughs> and Josh, are yeah. you able to pull up the grid rival? Because and I, I tried going on earlier today, and the whole app just kept telling me to like go away. Not bother. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to get on it and I'm trying to like make changes to my team because I had four open slots and I had to pick a new constructor and every time like I picked one rider and then from there it told me my balance was zero and like would not let me go back into the app after that yeah I think there um I can't see the league standings uh oh I can now yeah so I'm in fifth okay. I'm slowly dropping down the order um <laughs> uh Abba boy is in first with 2602 points so he's He's not well in the lead, but he's yeah, he's he's in the lead, and yeah, he's like two hundred ahead of me, so I'm pretty much pretty much out with that. One hundred fifty ahead of me anyway. But Matt, you're down in eleventh, so um, oh, dear, come on at the bottom. So <laughs> out of fifteen. So. <laughs> so where where are you in the the normal GP one, uh, Josh? Where yeah, I think I'm like eighth or something like that. I'm pretty. What's your? I don't know is? exactly. Um, is it Tiger? Tiger Motorsport after all City? Of course, uh, I'm plugging them right now. Oh yeah, I don't even think of that when I've seen like when I've scrolled down. Yeah, Tiger Motorsport. There, I think so. I might be wrong on that one. 
Um, That's fourth. Are you fourth? I'm a fourth. Oh, see, not too bad, not too bad. So wait, are you yeah. third, you say, Matt? Yeah, because I we got Ooh. Ant-Man Motorsports in first, Bunno GP in second, Rins 1010 in third, Tiger <laughs> Motorsport in fourth, Takanakagawa Gami <laughs> in fifth, Triple Seven Six Fiver in sixth, Matic Motorsports in seventh, Buffalo Bills in eighth, S07 in ninth, and then Dana Cole Motorcycle in tenth. So we've got us second, third, fourth. Mm -hmm. Let's try and get a one, two, three. Preferably me one, but we'll see. Yeah, we gotta, we gotta figure out how to take Ant Man down. <laughs> yeah. We do, don't we? Yeah. Um, but overall, he had almost the same team as me too. Yeah, yeah, I saw that as well. I saw that he's got a similar team. Yeah, but I think that is that is that everything, guys? Have we have we covered? Everything? Yeah, we've covered everything we have. It's been a it's been a long old one, but. We've, we've covered it all. We've got through it. There's lots to discuss. So yeah, yeah. it's been enjoyable. Yeah, and then next week, like we said, is a week off, and then it, uh, in two weeks we go to Jerez. Uh, so next week we'll probably do another episode like we did last week, where we just mm. sort of break down the news, um, you know, and then do a track preview. I'm gonna try to do it a little better. I gotta, I, <laughs> I gotta work a little better with the sinking word. And uh, yeah. this time it will be on MotoGP because this one, this track is on oh, exactly MotoGP. On it, yeah. So uh, what bike I'll use is yet to be decided. I think it's only right that you do what... I, I think a good theme to go for would be the previous winner at that track. You picked the KTM. And you did. I, when I listened to the track preview that you did, you picked it because it was the slow I bike. Did, I didn't even I was think like, about it. Yeah, and I was like, oh, it'll be because they won. And then you were like, no, it's because they're the slowest. And I was like, that was your opportunity to say, I know, you know I'm, I'm in it with the stats <laughs> I, and everything. I didn't even think of that. So you should oh, do like, yeah. the previous winner to say, like, you know, competitive bike. So it's got to be Fabio. I, I mean, you know, that, that might be why I said to pick the previous winner. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not suggesting anything, but. Yeah, it'd be, be a good theme to go for, I guess. You could do that. Yeah. But yeah, so, next week we'll do like a, a little filler episode. I don't know out of the three of us who will be doing it. It might be all three of us. I don't I don't know yet. Mm. But um, yeah, if, if anybody's got any suggestions or any kind of questions or news topics that anybody wants us to cover, then feel free to tweet us at Red Sex and MotoGP on Twitter and whatnot. Uh, or, mm. uh, you know, to uh, any three of us, if you follow us individually. Um, um, yeah. Oh, just quickly, actually, uh, we did get one message from Joey again, who uh, asked a question about what you think, how we think Suzuki's are doing in their performance uh, this season, because he didn't feel that doing that well. Um, what do you guys think on what Joey's said? Yeah, uh, I spoke briefly to him on on Discord, which again, mm. if anybody wants to join Discord, that we all chat in, we'll leave that in the. Like, if you go on our Twitters, you'll find it somehow mm -hmm. on my Twitter as well. Um, but yeah, on that, I was speaking to Joey, and I think it's just a case of more the rider than the bike, because like we said with Rins, Rins and Mia could have been second and fourth if Rins would have just eased off and taken second. And right. to say that, like, what he was saying on Discord was simply, you know, they won the championship last year and almost like, why are they not fighting for wins? But as we learned last year, Suzuki is more of a consistent top five. Like that, that is where they got a lot of their points from. So 
Mir's doing it. Rins just needs to do it as well. And then all of a sudden, Suzuki looked like this consistently top five performing bike. I think it's just a case of Rins bringing it home and knowing when not to push. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think, think I think that's the main thing with it. Suzuki's in a pretty good place, yeah. I think yeah. the, the bike's not the changed too much. And... Yeah, the, the bike's not oh. changed too much, so... Mm-mm. And mm. that was one of the talking points during the off-season was like, for Suzuki, don't change too much. Yeah. You know, and sort of figure out this, because uh, the, the one thing everyone seems to forget was Davide Brivio leaving. Mm. You know, that, yeah, that shook up the team in a good bit. And so they have to not only try to contend with being the, the world champion, but also losing a crucial part of their team and having to keep up the success they had last season with a whole new structure around them. So, I mean, mm. for the most part, that going on this season, I mean, they're not doing horrible. Are they doing what they'd like to probably not. I mean, you've got looking at the standings, you've got Mirren fifth and Rins in seventh. So, I mean, if you're comparing it to last year, the year they won the championship, they're doing better this year than what they did last. Mm-hmm. So, Mir after three yeah. races last year, I believe, what did he? I, I think he, I think I read something that if Marquez finished fifth at Portimao, he would have the same amount of points as. Mir did after three races, and that's like four. No, is it fourteen points? It's it's obviously only something like that. Um, so yeah, I mean Suzuki are doing better than what they did last year. Yeah, they're probably mm-hmm. not where they want to be winning races because that's where everybody wants to be. But you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. They're doing better than what they did last year. They just need Rins to do what he should have done and bring it home second, third, fourth, rather than binning it. But yeah, it's an it's an interesting point. But me personally, I don't think they're that far off compared to where they nah. should be anyway. So. But and no, no. nonetheless, it's a it's a good point to bring up. Yeah. yeah. No reason to hit the panic button yet. Just yet, no. Definitely not. Yeah. So, I think that's it for today. I think we hit all the points, answered all the questions, so be sure to, like we said before, subscribe, leave a review, leave a rating, um, yeah, let us know what you think of the show. Any changes you think, you know, that'll help. Uh, let us know. We're always open to trying different things. So, yeah, um, I was also just going to say as well on that uh, for the people that I have spoken to that have been asking for it to be on YouTube, this podcast, it is something that we're going to start working towards. Whether it be this podcast or the next or whatever, we are going to try and work towards more platforms and as many platforms as possible. So on that front, we are working towards it. It's just a case of us sorting every technical issue we have under the sun every week. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, um, it's something we're working towards. And hopefully the next podcast you listen to, Josh will be the third member of the podcast sounding nice and crisp. So we've yes, got improvements happening. Much better. Yeah, we've got um, improvements happening every week. So we're just working yeah. towards it, really. It will happen. It's going to happen next one. So that's why I'm waiting. I just cannot wait for the next uh, the next race review because not only will it be well another race review, but I will have a. I'll be sounding much better. So. <laughs> so all right, and with that, 